Good morning. Y'all doing good? Got an extra hour of sleep? You should be uh, ready to go, right? And the weather? Man, 70s today, I think, right? In November? That's at least something to be thankful for, right? Okay. Hey, if you're a guest, welcome. My name is Blake Hilgenfeld. I'm a Covenant member here, and uh, we're super grateful and thankful that you're here with us this morning. If you are a guest, uh, we have been going through a sermon series on the book of 1 Peter, and so we are wrapping up chapter 1 this morning. But before we do anything, I want us to pray, and I want us to ask God to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, and that is to awaken our hearts, our minds, our souls to what He wants us to hear and see in His Word this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into the text. Father, it's good to just be still for a moment and acknowledge that you are God. And to acknowledge that the words that we are about to read and hear are your words. Your word spoken to us. And your word is true and your word is powerful. Your word has the power to create new and eternal life. And your word has the power to make us into a people who reflect your love to one another and to the world around us. So, Father, we ask that you would come in power and awaken our hearts and our minds and our souls this morning through your word and your spirit. May you bring new and eternal life to those who are spiritually dead this morning, who are in desperate need to have spiritual life through your word and through your spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for those of us who you've given spiritual life, we ask that you would produce a deep love within us for one another, that we may be a people born of your spirit for the purpose and the reason to display your love to one another and the world around us. Father, come in power and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you uh, who do not know me, I get the privilege of selling chicken for a living. So uh, I, I, I work for Chick-fil-A. Uh, my dad was in the chicken business for, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, my brother took over, and I get the privilege of helping him run the uh, Chick-fil-A location on 24th and Main. And reality is, man, we sell lots and lots of chicken. Business is really, really, really good, which means um, I get an up-close view of the world that we live in. We will do, on average, 2,300 transactions a day. That's a lot of people that I get to interact with. Therefore, I get this up-close view of the world that we live in, and unfortunately, it's not a pretty picture. You see, I spend a lot of my time on a daily basis comforting team members who experience the reality of what 1 Peter 2.1 describes as the heart of the world, a world that is full of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Colossians 3 adds anger, wrath, obscene talk. I mean the anger, guys. The language, the deceit, the lack of impatience, the lack of grace, the the hatred. I mean, yes, hatred that my team experiences on a daily basis breaks my heart. This is the reality of the world that we live in. 
But what we need to understand is it's not a new world. It's not like things have changed since COVID and we are living in an unloving world, more like any other time in the history of the world. The world has always been an unloving place. Why? Because it's made up of people who by nature do not know how to love. At least we do not know how to love the way that God loves, a love that is purely sacrificial, a love that does not seek its own wants and needs, a love that is genuine, a love that seeks nothing in return, a love that is always patient and kind and gracious and generous, a love that keeps no record of wrong, a love that seeks the best for one another, a pure, right, and true love. This is the love of God, not the world. But listen, wouldn't it be absolutely amazing and beautiful if we could experience more and more of this kind of love, a love that's not based on conditions, a love that actually meets you where you are and accepts you as you are, not as you're supposed to be, a love that actually pursues you and pours itself out to meet your needs. Don't you want and need to receive this kind of love? Yes, we all do. I mean, imagine for a moment if there was a group of people in this world who were able to love the way that God loves. Wouldn't that be absolutely stunning and beautiful and amazing? If there was a group of people in the world who were able to display the love of God, wouldn't it have the power to change the world? In our passage this morning, we're going to see how God has taken a people born into this world and he's caused them to be born again, born supernaturally through believing and receiving the truth of, his, of, of the gospel. So being born again through his word for the purpose and the reason to display the love that he has shown us to one another and the world around us. That is what we get to see this morning and that's what we get to see of who we actually are now as a result of, of what God has done. Look at verse 22. Having purified your soul by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Now, we have to remember, back in chapter 1, verse 1, Peter is writing to a people who've been taken from a place where they've known everything to a place they know absolutely nothing. So the people, these Christians that Peter is writing to, they're living in exile. Their, their surroundings are different, their relationships are different, and daily they are living with this threat of persecution for their faith in Christ. Now, it's really hard for us to imagine what it's like being taken from your home, your relationships, your friends, your comforts, everything that is familiar to you, and move to a place that is unfamiliar, a place that is absolutely foreign. Most of us have never experienced that. Most of us will never experience that. But a few weeks ago, Jeremy shared what it's like living in a foreign land, a foreign country, where the food is different, the language is different, the toilets are different. You don't have the relationships like you used to. I got to experience this with Jeremy. Jeremy and I moved from the place that we were born and raised here in Norman, Oklahoma, and we moved to a place where we knew absolutely nothing. We knew no one. Everything was foreign to us. We had 
No relationship. It was just Jeremy and I. So no family, no friends, squatty potties for toilets, and chicken feet for dinner. I mean, everything was different. Everything was foreign. And we were living in a place where sharing the gospel with certain groups of people was illegal. So everything that we used to look to for safety and security and comfort was no longer available to us. And for the first time in my life, and I'm sure Jeremy's life, we were looking for something deeper. We were looking for relationships that were built not by the natural way or the means in which we build relationships in this world. I needed something absolutely deeper and stronger that would bind us together. For I was, I was in desperate need of relationship. Now, shortly after Jeremy and I arrived in China, we met this other family. And while we were there, we grew to love this family deeply. It was because we had something in common. Now, we were all from the United States, and in some ways, that did bring us together, but there was something deeper that we had in common. We were family. Now, it wasn't like we became family. The reality is we were family, but not like the family that you have in this world, not your physical family. I didn't have that. My family was over 7,000 miles from where I lived. But I experienced this bond, this love with this group of people, listen very carefully, that was stronger than the bond of blood, physical blood. And what bound us together, what caused us to love each other deeply, comes as a result of what happens to you when you receive and obey the truth of the gospel. We were born again. We were born into the family of God, not physically, but spiritually. We were brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what bound us together, and the result was a deep, genuine love for one another that I never experienced before. This, this is what Peter is writing to, the Christians who are living in exile. This is what he's trying to explain. This is, this is what he is doing. Those who are separated from all the relationship, everything is foreign. He's, he's wanting them to know who they are and what's happened to them. He says in verse 23, he says, You have been born again, not from human seed, but the seed of God's word. Therefore, you have a new life in Christ through believing the truth of the gospel. And a result having this new life, you guys are united together in the family of God as brothers and sisters in Christ. Therefore earnestly love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, the command to love one another is sandwiched in between what God has done for them. God wants them to know through Peter what he has done, who they are now, and as a result of that, they live out the command to love one another. So Peter wants them to know this miraculous transformation that has taken place in their lives as a result of obeying the truth of the gospel. Their souls have been purified, cleansed of every stain. They have been set apart out of this world, and they have been born again into the family of God for the purpose of displaying the love of God to one another. It's as simple as that. That's God's purpose. That's God's purpose for Christians who lived thousands of years ago, and that's his purpose for us, you and me, today. 
That God has purified us, He set us apart, He's caused us to be born again, giving us a new life, a new family in Christ. For what purpose, what reason? Is to display the love that God has shown to us, to one another, and the world around us. That's His purpose. That's the goal. Now the question is, what does this love look like? How are they, these Christians that were living thousands of years ago, and us today... What does this love look like if we are to display the love of God to one another? Well, Jesus makes it really clear in John chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How? Just as I loved you. Just as I loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, by loving others the way that I loved you, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So how are we to love one another? We are to love one another the way in which Jesus has loved us. Now, what Jesus is talking about, what Peter is talking about, is not some warm, fuzzy feeling. Okay, that's not what... Love is. That's not the, the kind of love that they're describing and they want us to, to, to live out. This kind of love is not dependent upon whether you feel like it or not. This love is a choice. This love is an act of will. It's intense. The word in, earnestly in verse 22 that Peter says, he says, earnestly love one another. This is the same word used to describe the intensity of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Y'all remember that prayer? That Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was going to the cross to, to drink the cup of God's wrath poured out upon him for forgiveness of sin for his people. He knew the suffering that he was about to endure. And so we're told in the Gospel of Luke... That Jesus, being in agony of what was to come, prayed more earnestly. He prayed more intensely. And sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Do you think it was a warm, fuzzy feeling that caused Jesus to lay down his life and endure the most horrific and painful suffering to show his love for the Father and you and me? No, Jesus chose. He chose to lay his life down. It was an act of his will to receive and to taste and to drink the cup of God's wrath poured out for the sin of his people. And listen very carefully. It was this laying his life down, choosing to lay his life down, that actually shows us what it means to love. Did you hear that? If we want to know what this love looks like, we look at Jesus and we see the way in which he laid his life down for us, that he chose to lay his life down for us, that it was an act of will to suffer the full wrath of God for our sin. Therefore, that is the picture of how we are to love one another. The way in which we are to love one another is the way in which God has loved us, which is a deep sacrificing, sacrificial, not some fleeting feeling. God's love is self-giving. It is self-stretching. 
It is self-denying, intense kind of love, willing to do whatever it takes to meet the needs of those that he loves. This is the love of God that he has shown us in Christ. And this is the love that we are to have with one another, this intense, earnest, self-sacrificing, others-giving kind of love. I want us to stop for a moment and look around. Look, 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 look around this room. Person sitting next to you, across from you. I want us to see something miraculous. Something that we cannot see with our physical eyes, but something spiritually, guys, that bounds us together now and forever. Something that has happened to each and every one of us the moment that we received and believed the truth of the gospel. We were born again. By God's word and spirit, we have been given new life. We have been brought into the family of God. We are united together by the blood of our Savior. And this relationship and this life will last forever. Peter says, that's imperishable. So unlike our human life, unlike our human family, which will perish this new life, this new family that we have in Christ, we are united today, tomorrow, and into eternity as a result of being born again by his spirit. For what purpose? To love one another. So listen very carefully. What if we began to see each other based on this new life in Christ? I mean, what if instead of choosing to see the physical we chose to see the spiritual, and we began to treat and love and care for one another as we would Jesus. Is Christ in you? Is Christ in you? Is Christ in you? Then how are we to welcome one another as we come through these doors? How would you treat Jesus? How would you welcome Jesus as, if he walked through these doors? Every single brother and sister who walks through these doors, is Christ in you? You see it? Is Christ in you? How would you serve Jesus in his time of need? How would you love Jesus? The same way Jesus has loved us and treated and cared for us, we are to do the same for one another. And we are to do the same for one another as if they were Christ. Doesn't that change everything? Doesn't that change the way that we see each other? Doesn't that change the way that our relationships are now formed? That we are to love one another as Christ has loved us, but also in return we are to love them as Christ. For Christ in you the hope of glory. Has Jesus forgiven you? Does Jesus ever count your sins against you? Does Jesus ever keep a record of your wrongs? No. He has forgiven you of everything, and he will never throw in your face anything that you have done to wrong him. He's forgiven that. Then why would we withhold forgiveness from our brother and sister? 
Forgive as you have been forgiven, Ephesians chapter 4. Did Jesus live his life to be served by others? I mean, you would think so, right? I mean, he has the right. He is the king of all kings. He came in this world. He has the right for others to serve him, but he chose the different path, right? Like the Son of Man came into this world to do what? Not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He did that for you and me. He came to serve us. How? By giving his life for us. And he continues to serve every one of our needs today. Then how can we look to our own needs more often than the needs of a brother and sister? Did Jesus pursue and welcome only those who were closest to him? No, Jesus pursued the outcast. He pursued the broken. He per- pursued the unrighteous and the self-righteous. He pursued those who were not like him, and thankfully that is the good news because none of us are like him, right? He pursued you. He pursued me. Therefore, what do we do? We pursue one another, those who are not like us. In the physical But now, we're all united in the spiritual. doesn't matter what you physically look like. doesn't matter where you physically come from. doesn't matter what you physically do or don't do. None of that matters because we are all one united as a family in Jesus. Welcome one another. Seek one another. Be gracious. To one another as he's been gracious to you. Be generous to one another as he's been generous to you. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Don't you want to love like this? Yes? Anyone want to love like this? Don't you need to receive love like this? I mean, to be a part of a group of people where the love of God is displayed and demonstrated to one another. Where we care for one another the way in which God has cared for us. We, we pursue each other. We seek out the needs of others. We meet them where they're at. We accept them where they are, not as where they're supposed to be. We forgive. We don't keep a record of wrong. We pursue. We seek. You want to be a part of this? And don't you think this group of people living this out has the power to change the world? Anyone want to be world changers? The way in which we pursue and love, earnestly pursue and love one another, has the power to change the world. And so, the command that God is giving to us, our Father is giving to us as as people, is not optional. It's not whether we feel like it or not. It's an act of will. It's a choice. And we're going to see as we continue through the book of 1 Peter, it is a continual looking to see the way in which God has loved us on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. We are transformed by His Word and His Spirit and the way in which He loves us, and boom, we go do the same for one another. It's who we are now. This is now our identity. 
We are bound together. We are united together, one in Christ. We are truly brothers and sisters in Christ. So the question is, are we going to be that? Let's be that. Now, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, as we've seen Jesus, right? He took the hard way. It's self-giving, self-sacrificing. It's, it's, the, it's being uncomfortable. But the good news is, is not only is Jesus our example, guys, Jesus lives and dwells within us through his Holy Spirit to empower us to do it. We have a new life, and the new life is Christ. So if we're impressed by the way in which Jesus is loved, the reality is he lives and dwells within us to be able to do that. That's good news. We are the people born again by his spirit for the purpose of seeing and displaying his love to one another and the world around us. That is the reason why you live. That is the purpose of your new life in Christ is to love the way in which God has loved. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful and thankful for the way in which you have offered us new and eternal life. Born again and born into a group of people whom you have caused to be born again to be brought into your family, to be a people who sees your love and displays your love to one another today, tomorrow, and into eternity. For Jesus, when you return and you set up your new kingdom, the kingdom will look like a people displaying your love perfectly. We are to be that people today. Yes, it will be imperfect, but you have given us the power to do it. And so, Father, that you would change our hearts by enabling us to continue to see the depths of the love that you have for us, that in turn we would love one another in the same way. Empower us by your spirit and word to be this people, to treat one another not only as you, but if they were you. For Christ in us, the hope of glory. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.